0: You've got to get along with everybody. And they mainly take either currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated individuals and give them a second chance, and in some cases a third chance,
1: the issue is isolating the problems and finding solutions that work. You think
0: about it, a lot of folks may work in Charlotte. They live in, in outskirts, counties, and towns.
1: Our problems are the same as every big city in America.
2: The Charlotte Business Journal's Two Views podcast is brought to you by Segra, one of the largest independent fiber network companies in the eastern United States based right here in Charlotte. Welcome to Two Views, the Charlotte Business Journal's conversation series with executives and community leaders about our region's biggest challenges and opportunities. For our debut episode, we have two familiar faces and voices in both business and upward mobility. For the past decade, ever since a national study determined that Charlotte was the worst place in the nation for a child to have a chance of escaping poverty, political, business, faith, and nonprofit leaders have collaborated on extensive and expensive campaigns to combat inequities in housing, education, healthcare, worker training, and more. Our guests have played key roles in those efforts. Hugh McCall is the retired Bank of America CEO, who is widely viewed as the person most responsible for helping make Charlotte a major city during the past 40 years. Malcolm Coley, the Charlotte and Central Region leader at consulting firm EY, came here in 2013 and has become one of the city's most influential civic leaders in that time. Hugh, Malcolm, thanks for being here.
1: I think we're glad to be
2: here. (laughs) Thanks for having
1: us. We don't know
2: yet. (laughs) So, Hugh, let's start with this. You retired from the bank in 2001. How does the city's growth compare with your expectations of where you thought Charlotte was headed then?
1: Well, I guess I never really paid much attention to the area that lay outside of the central business district, to be honest. And uh, so it's, I guess you could say that it's grown a lot more than I would have imagined Mm -hmm. in terms of so many people moving here for so many different reasons. And um, I'm very pleased at what has happened in the city, and particularly uptown, because that's what I really cared about.
2: Now, Malcolm, you grew up in eastern North Carolina, and then your career took you all over the country. And as I mentioned, in 2013, you accepted a relocation offer to Charlotte. How would you compare civic engagement here with the other cities that you worked in?
0: That's a great question. Having lived in a number of major cities, I would tell you— uh, coming to Charlotte and the commitment, the generosity of a city like Charlotte compared to other city is second to none. And so, when we are confronted with issues, the, the city galvanized together to find a perfect solution uh, to make the city even better.
2: Yeah. You want to say something to that? No, here? I just
1: think that Charlotte's unique, and I, I don't. We have a sort of a disease, <laughs> which he talks <laughs> about. <laughs> Well, you know, we get together. Anytime there's a problem, somehow the business community and the rest of the community come together, and we figure out a way to do something about it. Now, we're bad for studying things and making a report and then sometimes filing it, but we—it it is a very generous city, and if you're going to succeed here, you have to be generous.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm curious because uh, I mentioned uh, after you retired, so much of your work, although you, you started Furious, it's been very successful, yeah. uh, but you've concentrated a lot on this uh, social mobility, economic mobility. Uh, how would you grade yourself on social responsibility and diversity when you were at the bank?
1: Well, I think if you look at the bank's record during the 80s and 90s, we were way ahead of the rest of the United States in terms of how we treated people and uh, giving The women that worked for us, a lot more flexibility in their jobs and ability to come and go as they wish when they were having babies. and I think our employment policies were open Mm -hmm. and being very candid, I learned all that in the Marine Corps that everybody pulls their pants on the same way (laughs) and what we really cared about was could people really get the job done. We didn't really care what they looked like or who their parents were, where they went to school. I always jokingly said, unless it was Duke, and <laughs> then, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, I think we were a very forward-looking company going
2: way back, mm-hmm.
1: and the bank has stayed that way.
2: Malcolm, I'm curious, uh, as I mentioned, Hugh had already been gone from the bank, I guess, over a decade when you came here in 2013, um, though, of course, he was still very active. How did the two of you meet, and then how did y'all become friends?
0: great great question so it was uh one afternoon around lunchtime i was heading into the office and i ran into mr mccall uh the, the charlotte charlotte legend and he was in the elevator bay and, and i introduced myself and asked mr mccall if he could lend me his uh his knowledge of the city of charlotte of how i can step in and help and, and he asked what are you doing now and i said uh nothing he said come on up and two hours later we're still sitting in his office and he uh, gave me a lot of wisdom in the history of, um, at that time, probably 50 years of him building the city to what it is. And um, and then on the way out, I asked if we could have a periodic cadence of every six months or so. And he said, no. He said, if you give me 15 minutes notice, I'm available. We can meet. And for 10 years, it has been such a wonderful relationship. I could not have asked for more. I learned so much about this city mm-hmm. uh, from, from Mr. McCall and it's it's, it's, it's contagious, mm-hmm. and um, every time I get a chance, I learn something new, mm-hmm. and it really lit a fire on me of how we can ensure that his legacy, his great legacy, continue to live, and so it's going to require all of us to continue to galvanize and continue to move Charlotte forward.
1: Hugh, what do you like about this guy? Well, the fact he just makes things happen. He's <laughs> uh, When Malcolm says he'll do something, he does it, and he doesn't waste any time doing it, and... Um, as you know, he's Malcolm is probably the most important civic leader we have at this time in Charlotte. And he, every time you turn around, he's doing something. He's leading something. And he's very practical about everything. In other words, he, he analyzes it, just figures out what the answer is, and let's go do it. And uh, he's an amazing man. And I, uh, we are friends, and we're good friends. And, the, the, you know, the best thing about being good friends is we don't have to pretend anything with each other. We just, we something comes up, we talk about it, we do something about it or make something happen.
2: I can see that would be a reason why you would like him because I've heard you say that one of your frustrations is that uh, we're a bigger city, we talk a lot, and sometimes we talk too much and don't move fast enough.
1: Well, that's been the case, and unfortunately, in in the area we're talking about, that is um, upward mobility, we've done a lot of work on it and we've raised a lot of money, but you can't we can't prove what that we've done a whole lot to move the ball. And that's that's what we're all working on all the time. And I think that what Malcolm and I have been working on the most is what I call economic emancipation. It's mm-hmm. just trying to help people of color and women owned businesses find opportunity and then exploit it.
2: And in 2020, uh, the two of you with Lloyd Yates, who's a former Duke Energy executive, took a really big step. You put your money where your mouth is, Mm -hmm. and you created Bright Hope Capital. Uh, Tell me a little bit about how you took that step, because it's one thing to talk it. It's another thing to walk Mm -hmm. it. It's it's a great question. I think uh,
0: the money piece was the easy piece. Mm -hmm. I think the, uh, the, the thing that we really gave was our personal capital. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, social capital um, in helping these companies scale. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that is what's making a difference. The only thing these companies are looking for is access. And there is not a CEO, not just in the city, in this country, that Mr. McCall couldn't call. And and they will get access. And, and these companies have been around. They've proven that they can operate, but they've just lacked access. And right. so, and through access, they get revenues. And mm-hmm. through good revenues, they build capital. With good capital, they get economic growth. They're able to sustain. They're able to hire people. And they're able to create wealth. And so that is the essence of what we try to do is how do we use our social capital mm-hmm. to get access? And in and these companies, we also use what we've learned over our history. I think between Mr. McCall, Lord, and myself, we have about 150 years of experience <laughs> and really helping them understand how to run, go from a $2 million company to a $100 million company. Yeah. And that is that is the essence in how we can create change uh, for these, these, these uh, communities that communities been marginalized.
2: Now, the, the first minority-owned firm that you invested in was R.J. Leaper Construction. Uh, you, you hired city councilman James Mitchell to lead the company, fired him six months later. Obviously, R.J. Leaper is still going, but I'm curious for both of you, what, what did you learn from that first experience? Obviously, didn't go entirely the way you wanted it to. You, what did you learn from that, and how has it progressed since then?
0: Well, First, let me start. We don't talk about employment matters, okay. but let me tell you about the essence of the company. Mm-hmm. The company has matured perfectly. It has done what we expect it to do. And when we announce the operations at the end of this year, the community is gonna be proud of what we've been able to do as it relates to growing revenues, growing uh, growing employment, how we're creating wealth uh, in that community, and we're creating a business that can compete with the other construction uh, companies. And then just the verticals that we've helped create. So we are very proud of what we have been able to do Uh, at RJ Leaper. We have a management team that runs the company. They make Mm -hmm. all the decisions and they've done a fantastic job. And so I would say at the end of the day, we're extremely proud Mm -hmm. uh, of what the company has been able to do.
2: Uh, Malcolm, I'm curious. uh, When you and I spoke last year about some of the things going on around the city, one of the things you mentioned to me about Bright Hope is the commercial trucking venture that you have invested, that all of you have invested in. And this idea of taking people uh, who have not had good job oppor- opportunities and getting them into trucking, which pays very well. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, so so the, um, the
0: on the trucking side, what we do is we work with individuals to learn uh, trucking, mm-hmm. uh, get their CDLs, and we have a great young man that that's running uh, that that company. And, and a big piece of the trucking um, is there's a trucking school as well, and they mainly take either currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated individuals, and give them a second chance, and in some cases a third chance, on learning um, to be CDL, mm-hmm. be drivers, mm-hmm. and I would tell you it's been a huge success. Um, if you think about these individuals, they are now making sixty, seventy, in some cases eighty thousand dollars a year. They are proud. They mm-hmm. they are homeowners. They uh, they mm-hmm. able to go out and buy a car. They are able to take care of their families. And again, how are we creating upward mobility? As Mr. Mm-hmm. McCall would say, uh, emancipation, um, and, and, and those community has been marginalized, and so. Uh, both the school and mm-hmm. the um, and the trucking business, with great partners in this community, um, uh, giving, giving them access um, to contracts and revenues, mm-hmm. has been another success story of what we're trying to do at Bright Hope Capital of uh, lifting up uh, those that have been marginalized in certain communities.
2: I want to ask you both a little bit about leadership. You're, I think, I don't know, twenty five, thirty years apart, yeah, uh, roughly. Something like that. Uh, so, so you,
0: He gets around quicker than I do. No,
2: I don't anymore. So you, you bring different vantage points to this. And, Hugh, you mentioned as we were sitting down, you've been in Charlotte now 64 years, I think, 63 years, something like well, that. Well, 63 plus, coming up on 64. So you've seen almost every version of this, uh, you know, in the past 60 years, obviously. There's been a lot of hand-wringing civically about – the next generation? Are we going to have leaders? Are they too distracted by running these huge companies? So uh, I'm going to let you have the honors, and then Malcolm, I'm going to let you take it second. Where do you think we are in terms of leadership?
1: Well, I think we're in a lot better shape than people think we are. We, I think the CEO Leadership Council has proven itself. They've they paid attention. Mm-hmm. They've identified issues, and then they've uh, addressed them and attacked them. So I, I feel very good about that, and I think this we have leadership mm-hmm. that's not the issue the issue is isolating the problems and finding solutions at work mm-hmm. and uh i think we i think we're going to be fine i think we have a lot of new people here if i had any hope mm-hmm. it, that they would become familiar with our city and its growth issues we have our problems are the same as every big city in america mm-hmm. But I think we have the brains and the energy to attack it, and I think we have plenty of leadership. So you're sitting with one of them and Malcolm. I mean, he he to me is one of the
2: really best leaders in our city, but but we have others. So Malcolm, you're, you're in it. So how does it feel as someone who's in the middle of it right now? You know uh, know, the best
0: data point i can use is other cities that i lived in and i Mm -hmm. would say and i agree with mr mccall 100 percent is uh once the leaders in this community identify an issue we're Mm -hmm. all on top of it and i am a member of the celc we don't want any fanfare we want to deal Mm -hmm. with issues and how do we make this community better and we have done a fantastic job Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's affordable housing and or whether that's um what we did with the males racial equity initiative to create economic mobility in this great community. And what we're looking at now, uh, CMS, Mm -hmm. how do we ensure that these kids get an equitable opportunity uh, to accomplish the dreams that they want to accomplish? And how do we create the workforce of the future? And so um, it's a group of uh, Mm -hmm. good leaders, great leaders, but to Mr. McCall's Part We have a lot of new leaders coming into the community, and this is a relationship city, mm-hmm. and we need for all leaders to continue to play the great role that we were playing collectively in making this truly the best city in the country.
2: You know, I'm curious, you mentioned uh, at the bank, you were forward thinking. You didn't care what anybody, you know, what they looked like, who they mm-hmm. worshipped. You just want people that could do the job. Yeah. One thing that was very different that I'm sure you recognize is that companies weren't asked to take a stand on social issues, very rarely. Now it's almost anticipated that, hey, how do you feel about affordable housing? How do you feel about LGBT? Whatever the issue may be, access to abortion. I'm just curious, if you were running a company now, how would you approach that?
1: Well, I think if you know anything about me at all, I had an opinion in 1975, 85, 95, whatever year you talked, And we didn't mind expressing it. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a little amused. that uh, I think our company always took a position. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at Keith Cockrell, who's the president of the Bank of America here, and he's out in front on every issue, and they're not afraid of any issue, and they are not afraid to address it. And um, certainly they get some criticism Mm from that, but that that goes with the territory. So... uh, would you rather have somebody that is afraid of criticism, or would you rather have somebody who doesn't care? And so I think I think the bank has been a great leader in that respect, and still is. And I think that Brian Monaghan has proven his worth and all over the United States. And, and, and so um, I think <laughs> I think that people say they're facing issues that we didn't face, but that's not true.
2: Mm-hmm. Malcolm, I'm curious. Uh, you're obviously in that role right now. EY does take a stand on many issues. How do you make the decision or how does your team make the decision on what to say and what to speak out on?
0: Well, first of all, let me um, just follow up on Mr. McCall in, in, in the bank. Um, they're all way at the forefront mm-hmm. in this community and whether you go and Brian is a great leader mm-hmm. obviously and whether it was Andrea Smith or Charles Bowman and now Keith Cockrell. I mean, Keith is an outstanding leader and he's really the face of the bank in the community and, and he, obviously he's doing a fantastic job. I mean some of the issues are pretty easy to take mm-hmm. a stance on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you think about affordable housing when you think about K through 12 I mean, that's the future of our community. Mm -hmm. And if we want to continue this growth in Charlotte, we have to make Charlotte not just a good place to work, but live and play. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that we're doing as a community. Affordable housing, economic mobility, a great K-12 through for our kids to get a great start. Um, Arts and science. Mm -hmm. Every vibrant community has to have a vibrant arts and science community. And the work that Mr. McCall and others have done uh, to make sure we have a good symphony and and a good arts Mm -hmm. and science community um, is really attracting people to Charlotte. And then you look at the sports, uh, mm-hmm. with what they have done at the uh, the Hornets and, and at the Panthers and at soccer, um, and then the talk about the tennis, uh, what we've done um, at, at, for golf mm-hmm. uh, with the Wells and uh, the President's Cup and the great thing that we've done there, the, uh, the best President's Cup of, of all time and the PGA, those are the things that attract people to this great city and showing that it's a caring giving and a gracious community it's what people want to see it's you can work anywhere Mm -hmm. but can you do you love where you work and can you play where you work Mm -hmm. and does it create opportunities to uplift everyone is what people are asking
1: you know if you look at the young people pouring into the city part of the answer to that too is first what Malcolm just said but also being an open city that you can be who you want to be you can be yourself and so our city doesn't put constraints on who you are. We're glad to have you. If you want to pull an oar here, we'll, we got one for you.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it, that was a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you about uh, arts and science and sports both because those are such important components, as you say, of quality of life. So I'm going to start with you. Hugh. You played a pivotal role, Panthers, Hornets. Uh, Malcolm just mentioned tennis is on the way. Just this past week, in Las Vegas, uh, they uh, put out the odds for the next two major league baseball franchises. Nashville was first Charlotte was second. What do you think about that?
1: well I don't really have an opinion about that. Uh, I think that pro baseball requires a big population mass to to make it profitable and whether we have that prop uh, you know that mass at the moment, I don't know I guess <laughs> One would argue, I've always been in favor of downtown locations I love, I feel we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting to and from the ballpark every night is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't know. Someone else will have to solve that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't solve that one. But, you know, I, I, think I think we would be remiss if we didn't give a tilt to Johnny Harris and all the work he's done in making this a golf Center mm-hmm. and also all sports, he's brought in. He's been on the forefront of bringing mm-hmm. in uh, all types of sports, and so we've been blessed with that. And um, I think that I think we would be a better town than Nashville, just mm-hmm. being honest. Yep. We're fat I think we grow faster, bigger, got, bigger corporate and, market, and you know we got more big companies that mm-hmm. spot for sponsorship, and we we are really a town that is sits on the border of the Carolinas, and we have 10, 11, 12 million people in our, within 50 miles of us.
2: So So we'll have you call New York and talk to the commissioner, okay? Well, (laughs) we we may. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. That was a good maybe. Uh, Malcolm, you mentioned uh, something that Hugh has worked on a lot, uh, which is arts, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's done it from the, I think the second he stepped foot in this city, uh, including the symphony, including the Arts Center, including the the fund that helped sustain a lot of the groups. You're involved, in, you're both involved, but I'm curious, what do you think about the new model, the governance, and the funding of arts and science that are coming down the pike?
0: Well, well first of all, if if Ms. McCall called the uh, of commissioners- major league. He will answer that phone call. Yes, That's the would. most important That's why thing. I said it, yeah. yes. <laughs> so,
2: um,
0: I, I think the funding makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the business community has stepped up and will continue to step up, but I think the funding with having, you know, local governments uh, mm-hmm. to play a pivotal role um, in ensuring that the arts and science continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, having chaired the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, which most people know is mm-hmm. our chamber, and having the opportunity to see RFPs or companies looking mm-hmm. to relocate. One of the common denominators in everyone is having a vibrant arts and science community. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, – and the business community understands that. They know that. And it's part of education. It's part you know, of good education for our kids. It's part – it gives other people things to do, whether it's a symphony – Um, or whether it's um, it's just the arts, uh, Mm -hmm. the the Gantt Center, to see history. I think having a vibrant arts uh, community with input and support from our local government uh, is, is, is crucial.
2: By the way, I saw this gentleman conduct the symphony on the square. Yeah. <laughs> uh back back in the 90s. So I, I know that if if we need somebody to come in from the bullpen Stephanie, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're welcome. But what do you think uh since you have been so involved in the arts, what do you think of the state of the arts community?
1: Well, I think that it's under, it's under constant financial pressure. It always has been and I probably always will be. But the I'm like I believe the arts are a vital part of any city that wants to be anything and I I guess I've looked at the European model many times, how in France the government takes care of the museums, they take care Mm -hmm. of everything, uh, and it's just part of their tax base, if you will. Um, I don't know we'll get there exactly, but I'm glad to see the city take a a leadership role in in the arts to to helping them grow. Um, At the end of the day, it will be up to the citizenry though, Mm -hmm. to get, if they want it, Mm -hmm. they're gonna have to pay for it. And so we have to figure out the right answer there. Now, uh, I'll smile about it because my interest in the symphony has always been because my wife is interested in the (laughs) symphony. And so, uh, you know, as long as uh, we have people who love music, we'll have a symphony. And uh, I think it's vital for the city. And uh, so I'm glad the city is involved.
2: You mentioned the citizenry paying for it. So I want to hit you with a couple of tough issues before, before we're done here. Uh, one of the toughest issues, next education, I think the toughest issue in the city is transit, yep. mobility. Uh, so what do each of you think is going to happen there, needs to happen there? Because we've been having this conversation for at least a decade about expansion.
1: Well, I, I know the least about it, so I'll go first. <laughs> uh, I would say this, that we can't build roads and, and get there from here. Uh, Charlotte is the, has the same major uh, entranceways and spokes to its wheels mm-hmm. that it had 60 years ago. We haven't built a new spoke road in mm-hmm. this city in 60 years, except I-77 and uh and there's no room to build one, so we have, rail is has to be one of our answers. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were running things, I would go find one of the biggest companies in the world who had built rail all over the world, mm-hmm. and I let I'd just hire them to do it. And I'd take a 100-year lease with them. And the reason I'd take a 100-year lease, I'd spread the cost over four generations instead of one generation trying to pay for it. But I'd go and do it. I wouldn't talk about it. I'd just do it. This is what needs to happen.
2: Malcolm, what do you think? I
0: think Mr. McCall is absolutely right. As you continue to see the growth of this city, one of the things that we have to tackle is uh, transportation and and Mm -hmm. mobility. Uh, and, and I think we have to look at it from a regional standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. um, and where it stretches out to the different counties and and, um, and, and cities. And, and the good thing we have is that we have a really good mayor. Mm-hmm. And having lived in a number of cities, we have probably the best mayor I've seen in my lifetime mm-hmm. and, and Mayor Lyles. And, and we have a great city manager and, and Marcus Jones and, and, and county manager and, and uh, Dina DiOrio. So I think pulling together uh, uh, local governments and communities mm-hmm. Uh, On how do we build a transportation and mobility from a regional uh, perspective. Because you think about it, a lot of folks may work in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They live in, in outskirts counties and towns. And so we need to make sure that they can get in and out of the city. Yeah. And it's not just roads. It's, it's, uh, it's bike trails. It's trails mm-hmm. uh, and all the other things around mobility. It, and as Mr. McCall said, it has to be like rail.
2: Uh, and and it around. goes back to where we started, which is economic empowerment. If you don't have a reliable, quick way to get to your job, can't get there. Where where are you going? How, How hard of a sales job do you think this is with the public?
1: Well, I think it's a pretty hard sales job. I think that people who are not challenged don't worry about it. And so it's like everything that we have that we need to do doesn't affect everyone. And so getting the people that are not affected to pay attention is the hardest job. Nevertheless, as you point out, if we can't get workers to come into the then pretty soon it bites into everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would link Gastonia and Statesville and really any, even Winston-Salem, York, uh, all the cities to the, to the east of us, um, Monroe for sure, this part of Charlotte really. And uh, we need that. We need that linkage. And we need it in the best way we can possibly get it. And, of course, Malcolm is right. We need every form of transportation mm-hmm. to be addressed.
2: I want to ask you about, uh, Hugh, you mentioned that Uptown was always your baby, uh, and clearly your stamp is all over Uptown. Uptown is having some difficulty right now, like downtowns around the country are, and it's partly driven by the pandemic, and it's partly driven by the way that we work now. I'm curious, how concerned are you? Uh, Let's just start there. How concerned are you? Well,
1: I'm not really concerned, and and the reason is because I think People always reinvent themselves and so the center city will reinvent itself. It's got good leadership. Uh a, a lot of things will depend on transportation. Can we get there? Can we can we park there? Can we you know, all the issues that are there. But the, the 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 idea of a center city is is important because it's equidistant for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that was really my view then, it is now, and the services should be centralized. Anyway, I, I think it will require reinventing and, re, and repurposing of a number of buildings, uh, but it, it, usually these things take 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years to evolve, so I don't know what the answer will be. But at eighty eight, I'm not worried about. it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey Malcolm, we have another uh, yeah. item for your to do list. So, yeah. uh, how do how do you view this? Because uh, you are, you know, leading a team of employees who are working in that new way, and you're in uptown, and you care about your employees, and you care about uptown. So, uh, h- how do we begin to solve this puzzle?
0: Yeah, no, no, I agree with, with Mr. McCall. The uptown would reinvent itself, mm-hmm. and I think companies and and the real estate market will reinvent itself, um, and, and we're beginning to see uh, people coming back into mm-hmm. uptown. So it's it's a process, and it's going to uh, take a a process. Uh, but I'm not overly worried about mm-hmm. um, uh, real estate mm-hmm. and people uh, reinventing uh, the uptown
2: area. What's kept you engaged? What's kept you interested in civic matters?
1: Well. I live here, and uh, so I'm interested in what happens in the city I live in. I'll have to say that the riots that we had—I can't remember whether it was 2014, 16, 16—caught 16, my attention and has centered my thinking greatly on addressing the issues that led to that. And uh, so, I'll have to say the riots got my attention. I never thought that could happen in Charlotte and i was wrong and i wasn't paying attention and so now i'm paying
2: attention how how do you think that changed your approach i mean obviously you you became more active but what insight did you get from seeing that happen
1: that we had a large part of our i had once made a speech that, about charlotte being a great place to raise a family and it led me to the in a second speech not too long after after that riot to say that it was um, a great place to raise a family, but not for everybody. And what we really need to do is work on making it a great place for everybody. And so that's really changed my whole approach to what I care about and what I'm trying to do with what little bit of life I got left.
2: Malcolm, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's it. Malcolm, I was going to ask you, you'd been here a couple years uh, at that point. Uh, How did that affect your approach in Charlotte, if it did?
0: I, I think it just strengthened uh, my commitment to ensuring that we create um, an, an environment where everybody can succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think uh, we, we, we've made a lot of progress, still a lot of, lot of room uh, to go. But as I mentioned earlier, this is a giving community mm-hmm. and we're going to tackle the issues uh, that would continue to allow all of our citizens uh, in the region to, to grow and thrive.
2: And how do the two, I'm curious, how do the two of you, I mentioned you're from different generations, uh, you're obviously different races, but you're both from uh, the South. Uh, how do you think the two of you uh, sort of educate one another, if you think that happens at all?
1: Well, I, I would say this, that both of us are from rural America mm-hmm. and um, grew up in small towns. And I think that what we both learned is you, you got to get along with everybody and you got to And what you have is what you you have, that is the population you have is who you have to work with. So I think, first, we have a common background, and um, both of us like to do things and get it done. Uh, I I don't know, and it'd be hard to find. And I like him because he leads from in front. Mm -hmm. He doesn't ask somebody to do something. He goes and takes the hill. So— I don't know, we're just we like a lot of the same things, and I think it's because how we grew up mm-hmm. what yeah. do you think malcolm no did, i, I, did, I t- did this guy live <laughs> up to
2: what you expected when you saw him in the elevator that day A hell a lot hell <laughs> a lot more than than <laughs> what i
0: expected and 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 you could tell uh the character of a person by their passion mm-hmm. he has passion. And you know he's been through since I've been here. I've seen him in all parts of this community, mm-hmm. uh, where you don't see everybody in certain parts of this community. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, he's used his um, political capital, his uh, social capital, his financial capital. Again, you know, as I've all, as I've always said, a rising tide lifts all boats, mm-hmm. and he's ensuring that every boat is being lifted in that tide.
2: You mentioned to me that you have, I think, eight grandchildren. If my memory right. is working, yeah. that yeah. my short-term memory. So you have a vested interest in this community, this region, succeeding. Uh, so give me two or three things that you would like to see happen in the next five to ten years that you think would be vital for your next generations to thrive.
1: Well, if i in a perfect world that our school system would be lifted, and by that I mean that we would actually strengthen the school system ter- and make it harder, mm-hmm. that is, have tougher requirements. And then we we would bring all of our children as far along academically as we could that's and not in other words we need to toughen our school system in terms of what you're learning mm-hmm. and secondly, that'd be one thing um, We talk about transportation all the time I think we that's never going away as an issue. I think we it would be good if we thought ahead in terms of housing. And affordable housing, and or, and when we say affordable housing, we really mean workforce housing, Mm -hmm. because of of what you said. And uh, uh, we should look at things that other people have done, other cities and other countries, and see if we can find a better solution that we can get at faster. It's not just money; it's what you do with it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think those those problems are in front of us. One of the things that Malcolm has pushed and, and, and that we do at Leaper is we train a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and the business community here has come around to helping, like at Johnson C. Smith University, uh, creating new majors that produce students that they want for their business and they committed themselves to being off-takers from the campus. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's progress. That's mm-hmm. how you change mm-hmm. economics is with a large number of people it's education and job training and job training and if I, if I haven't learned anything else at this age is that we can solve a lot of issues like housing by giving people living wages and let them worry about the educating their children and worry about housing so if there's one thing i could would like to say do more of is more and more
2: job training and hiring from our local workforce you know, Malcolm, he's already put all the pressure on you. He <laughs> said you're the single most effective leader locally. You're a young man. You, you're ambitious. You do things. So uh, what are a couple of things? Same question for well, you. What, well, first of all, I'm gracious, things?
0: but it's a team effort, and there's a lot of, uh, of great leaders in this community. Um, and I think Mr. McCall hit on all of them. You know, you think about transportation mobility. To me, that is employment and housing, but having a good transportation mobility system. And then uh, education. We have to start as young as the third grade, so K through 12. And the business community is stepping up, has stepped up uh, the work through uh, K through 12. And then we look at the higher ed system. We have Mm -hmm. some really great institutions here, whether it's CPCC, Queens, Johnson C. Smith, um, UNC Charlotte, Mm -hmm. uh, and Davidson. So we have some really great higher ed institutions uh, here in in this community. And then it's um, up, you know, economic mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just uh, uh, the uh, Touch on a couple of things Mr. McCall said about what we're trying to do at Johnson C. Smill is making a top 10 institution mm-hmm. where we are changing the academic arena, not moving it from a liberal arts, but making jobs of the future. You know, math and science, uh, biology, uh, healthcare, uh, business, uh, etc. Um, and then what we're doing around um, digital, uh, the digital divide. How do we make sure that everyone is connected? And one of the things yeah. we are doing in this community is making sure that Charlotte is the most digitally mm-hmm. connected city um, in, in the world. There's, a, there's not a lot of things you could do without a computer. You think Yeah, about you, you can't live off the grid even if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. no one takes paper applications. It's all online. So you have to have community. You have to have a computer. You have to have internet connection. Uh, whether it's telemedicine, mm-hmm. uh, the work that uh, Novant and, and Advocate Health are doing around medicine mm-hmm. and to be able to do tele. Telemedicine, Mm -hmm. you need that. Uh, And then the kids in school. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that there will be another pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we have to be ahead of it in ensuring that all of our our kids and community have access to the world through technology. And then setting up the Center of Digital Equity at Queens has been nothing but fantastic because it's a three-legged stool. You can't just give them hardware and access. You also have to give them uh,
2: education. Around. Which Bruce Clark and his team have done, showing people how to use the devices that they're getting.
0: Absolutely. And we could not have found a better leader than Bruce in, in, in driving that throughout our community. And so when you start pulling all of this together, it's the path of making Charlotte the great city that it is and is going to be. Having lived in Atlanta, I would tell you, without getting mobility and um, transportation, transit correct, um, we can find ourselves here 10, 12 years from now. Uh, being another Atlanta. We don't want to be Atlanta. We're Charlotte, and I think we have a great opportunity to set the example for other major cities to follow.
2: Uh, Last topic for you, since you mentioned uh, we will have another pandemic. Um, Hopefully that's um, someone else's (laughs) alligator to wrestle with. But nonetheless, I think uh, one of the most important things uh, to happen in Charlotte in my 30 years here is yet to come, and that's the medical school and innovation campus. Uh, but you guys are the experts, not me. So I'm curious, what do you think the impact of this uh, medical school and innovation district is going to be?
0: Well, I'll start, and then Ms. Mm-hmm. McCall can correct me. Well, <laughs> um, I, I think it's one of the, um, the last few pieces of a major city that we don't have. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, having a, a top-tier medical school um, that's going to bring research, it's going to bring industries that we are not as strong in right now, and the the life science, biotech, pharma, et cetera. And so I think what it's going to do is it's going to bring that uh, research. I mean, we have great research at the institutions now, but I think in the medical field, I Mm -hmm. think that is going to be the one thing that it's going to bring uh, to our community.
1: And I'd echo that. And the other thing it brings is lots of educated people, and that helps the arts, and that helps Mm -hmm. the school system, Mm -hmm. and it helps everything. And so I, I think it's going to be a huge impact for our city.
2: So, Hugh McCall gets the last word. That's a familiar refrain. (laughs) I want to thank you both, Hugh McCall. Thank you for being here. Well, I'm glad, glad to have been here. And Malcolm Coley, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for being here. And likewise, thanks for having us. That's it. First episode of Two Views is in the can. Thanks for listening. Business today is fast, unpredictable, always changing. Shifting trends and technologies are pushing aside old rules. The unexpected is the new normal. Segra is here to help you get what's next with our best-in-class connectivity, cybersecurity,
0: cloud, and collaboration solutions. Whatever your business dreams, we have the network
2: and services to get you there. Segra, giving your business the freedom to grow today.